as the music fades out, that was the intro theme music to Just Dow It. I haven't uh, picked the song yet. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find one. Okay. Last week we discussed how mathematicians figured out about a hundred years ago that reason was insufficient to understand this world. They proved it with notation. That's the last episode. Um, it's a bit more interesting than that, I think. But it does feature the works of a leading quantum physicist who is in agreement with Eric Weinstein, who manages Peter Thiel's money, who's the head of the PayPal Mafia. So, some this status, whatever, right? Um, <laughs> status and whatnot. Um, this is episode two of Just Dow It. Um, this episode is called Scaling the Office Romance. Quote, A mass and movement resists change of direction. So does the world oppose a new idea. Nikola Tesla, The Future of the Wireless Art, 1908. In 1982, with the push of a button, Vint Cerf shut down the entire network. In doing so, he was making a clear point to each and every military researcher and computer scientist in the United States and around the world. TCPIP was going to be the standard way of communicating over the internet, whether they liked it or not. Later that year, TCPIP co-inventor Vint Cerf pushed the button again. This time around, he shut down the entire network for two days straight. As I notice a typo. You ever do that? You publish and then you're like, oh, let me tell you something. I publish and then notice like 18 errors later. I'm past worrying about, it's so funny. I used to worship spelling, but I, what is it called? I dialect where a misspelling of the word, word doesn't change its meaning, so to speak. Variation on that, I think. Anyways, <laughs> digress. <laughs> this is a medium post thing that I wrote. Uh, so I'll read that again. Later that year, TCPIP co-inventor Vint Cerf pushed the button again. This time around, he shut down the entire network for two days straight. There would be no misunderstandings. TCPIP was the future. Shutting down the internet on purpose. Vint Cerf and Bob Kahn co-invented TCPIP. They shut down ARPANET twice in 1982. ARPANET was the name of the network. They shut down ARPANET twice in 1982 because 
DARPA, DARPA, they were an organization that were the funders of the network. And, and DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. So, they shut down ARPANET twice in 1982 because DARPA, the funders of the network, DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA wasn't satisfied with a measly 400 computers helping researchers solve complex problems over email. Far from it. Instead, DARPA envisioned a future, along with Vince Cerf and Bob Kahn, with a hundreds, with a hundred million computers. Did I, was that an error? Instead, DARPA envisioned a future where hundreds of millions of computers, all connected and communicating simultaneously with each other across land, sea, air, and space. Is this a constant breaking of power? Well, fuck it. it um, Surf and Khan's invention, TCPIP, would usher in the age of the internet as we know it today. By temporarily shutting down the network twice in 1982, this is like a year before I'm born, I was born February 25th, 83. Vince Cerf, Bob Kahn, and DARPA sent a clear message to everyone on the 400 computer network. TCP is the way you must communicate over the internet. In other words, if you don't use TCPIP to communicate over the internet, you're not going to be allowed on the internet. On January 1st, 1983. TCPIP became the only way to send information across the internet. In fact, TCPIP eventually became to be known simply as the Internet Protocol Suite. Today, 40 years later, is it 40? 80, 90, 90, 20, 20, 10, 20, 30. Okay. Sorry. Do people, are people going to think that's racist? I'm brown. Don't, doesn't that give me immunity? Look, I'm a headhunter. I've helped so many Indian people get jobs. Okay. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I wonder what people find is racist. And if they only knew that immigrants were just as racist as they were inside. Anyways. <clears throat> Continuing. <laughs> I have references. Um, it's interesting to think about that. You know, Bill Burr had that joke about, um, the, <laughs> the guy from Duck Dynasty, uh, having what we today think as backwards views on a wide range of topics from homosexuality to maybe inter, I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to say too much about what they thought he said, or thought he meant, or what he actually meant. Isn't that, isn't that a weird world that we live in, that you have to couch everything in a bunch of asterisks? Because you're so afraid of somebody misconstruing? How about this? If you misconstrue... This is the only way to have a podcast, I think. If you misconstrue anything I say, please bring it up with me first. It could save you a lot of time and actually make your blog a lot better. 
so I'm, can I say that? Is that okay? Can I just let's just put an asterisk from here to the end of the time I have speech? Any utterance of notation, uh, footnote, Principia Mathematica, and Girdle's incompleteness with, right? None of what I create in language notation will ever be as true as what I create with a painting, what I create with music. The, th the, the you know the two things we did before writing in notation. As my steel pen sits in the corner there, in a circle. Sexagesimal, I think they called it. Anywho, where were we? Finally, on this, um, what the Tani, I can't remember which one it was, Taniyama Shimura, the mechanism and invention by which Noah Weil solved for Ma's Law's theorem. Why did they, how did they come up with the solution? Through a mix of critical analysis and speculative analysis. It is not simply complete to use just deduction, you must use induction, inference. I can state any assumption and assume a bunch of truths from that assumption and then call it a three-day course and you'll get certified. <laughs> it does not imply meaning. Where was I going with that? Let's go back to the uh, article. I think that... Where was I going with that? I look back at the article and I go, I saw Surf and Khan. It's so funny that uh, a Khan would invent the internet, a guy named Bob Khan. Anyways, people uh, don't realize that we wouldn't have, is it true that we wouldn't have Plato without um, the Islams having saved it? I'm pretty sure that's true. Somebody look that up. I don't have a Jamie. <laughs> Today, 40 years later, Surf and Khan's invention of the TCPIP protocol suite is the core technology that enables the transferring and receiving of information over the internet. It underlies every like, every RT, every swipe, every Bitcoin transaction, every email you send to your office romance. Quote, We have identified a number of technical issues with the current, bracket, TCPIP-based, close bracket, technology with which prevented delivering the required levels of service without excessive complexity, or in some cases, at all. That's from an article called, Does 5G Finally Mean Curtains for GCPIP? Uh, I suggest you read that. Uh, just as a background of how telecom 
looks at this. As critical as the invention of TCP IP was, TCP IP is not going to be the way the world communicates information over the internet for much longer. Nothing lasts forever. Someone's about to push the button on TCP IP and usher in a new internet. Quote, Today's network protocols were designed during a simpler time. Kevin Smith, chairman of Etsy, ISG, and GP. A quote from Tesla, again from The Future of the Wireless Art, 1908. It is intended to give practical demonstrations of these principles with the plant illustrated. As soon as completed, it will be possible for a businessman in New York to dictate instructions and have them instantly appear in type at his office in London or elsewhere. He will be able to call up from his desk and talk to any telephone subscriber on the globe without any change whatever in the existing equipment. An inexpensive instrument, not bigger than a watch, will enable its bearer to hear anywhere on sea or land, music or song, the speech of a political leader, the address of an eminent man of science, or the sermon of an eloquent clergyman, delivered in some other place, however distant. That's Tesla in 1908. Scaling the office romance with blockchain. There's Homer there with a picture. He's looking at Lerline. And he has a Bitcoin in his uh, thought bubble. Also, there's a GIF there of a uh, GIF, GIF of how TCP IP works, or in other words, um, how an email goes from your desktop to your office romances. Can you picture your office romance right now? When you send an email to your office romance, sparks fly. But before your special someone gets to enjoy the fireworks, your email, and any attachments, has to be transferred from your computer to theirs. That's where TCPIP comes in. TCPIP, not one but a suite of technologies that work together, are the set of technologies and best practices that ensure your email doesn't end up in the wrong inbox. Having your email to your office romance and any attachments end up in the wrong inbox has dire consequences for everyone involved. First, your email and any attachments are broken down into pieces and then sent or routed through your router over the internet. These separate pieces, packets of your information, these separate pieces or packets of information are then reassembled into a coherent email and attachment on the other end. And there you have it, an email transaction with attachments. Well, we all know of times where emails have ended up in the wrong hands. And that's where the blockchain comes in. Today, industries from supply chain management to gaming require the equivalent of millions of transactions to be transmitted in a fast, scalable, secure, private, and anonymous way per second. Add decentralization to the mix, and you have every Bitcoiner's dream. 
you don't have to take my word for it. Andy Jassy, who just happens to be the CEO of Amazon's real cash cow, Amazon AWS. Amazon AWS is, you know how you have an email uh, through Gmail? What if you were Pepsi and you wanted email for everybody? What if you were Pepsi and you wanted um, software to control your drones? What if you were Pepsi and you wanted um, to sell Pepsi? Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon AWS. Um, you, I wonder if you can hear this. I feel like this. Blood, blood, blood. Uh, okay. Um, suffice to say, Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon AWS, went on stage and told everybody who was, a lot of people in the room were watching um, opponents. And he told all of them, just because we didn't work on the blockchain, while it lost $600 billion of fucking value on the <laughs> decentralized exchanges, doesn't mean we didn't find it useful. We just had a few more questions. Quote, we don't build things for optics. Now that Amazon is out of the blockchain closet, even the most diehard blockchain critics are deleting their tweets from last year. The real reason that all of the big players want security as a prime target is because if you have security, you have sharing. Let's take an extreme example. Would you be okay with monetizing your porn consumption data if you could monetize it? And you knew that everybody else was monetizing it too. Seek the end. Sorry, seek. See the end of Camus' The Fall. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Shut it. The real reason that all the big players want security as a prime target is sharing. If you feel secure, and letting everybody know everything about you, then the people that create applications using data can pay you for that data, and then create even better applications. And then you can choose, imagine, through the free market, depending on where you live, or not the free market, depending on where you live, you can choose which companies serve you best. Don Tapscott believes the future is that everything is peer-to-peer. Um, but that's a long topic. The real reason that all of the big players want security as a prime target is sharing. The world will share, the world will share their data, including corporations and nation-states when they believe that they can monetize their data securely while maintaining privacy and anonymity. You cannot have an open data lake whose value drains away 
without compensating. Money keeps fresh water in the lake. If people are being paid for their data. Today, people are paid with a free service for their data. It is perhaps true that tomorrow people are paid for their data. Interesting. Anyways, you cannot have an open data lake whose value drains away without compensation. Money keeps fresh water in the lake. Fresh water supports strong fishies. <laughs> I like the word fishies. Fishy, fishy, fishy. You don't know that tree. A big flat fish flying through the sky. Quote, While, whilst today's network protocols remain in use and do the necessary job quite well, they were designed for fixed line networks with static terminals. They have enabled the rapid growth of the internet over the past decades. But the increasing use of mobile has changed. How did I say mobile? <laughs> but the increasing use of mobile has changed the way networks are accessed, resulting in numerous patches to the TCP/IP framework. That's from Telecom TV. Why am I quoting from Telecom TV? Five G is kind of important. Now, this next section is called. The monkey wrench in the office romance. When it comes to your office romance, you wouldn't want you know who to find out about you know who. This challenge has been around for a while, and in computer science speak, the problem of preventing you know who from finding out about you know who goes by the name of cap theorem. Cap theorem is very important in the big data world. So this is a quote. Uh, cap theorem is very important in the big data world. Cap theorem is very important in the big data world, especially when we need to make trade-offs between three important constraints. I added the important, but they're important or they're constraints, at least significant ones. See, there me go. No, I'm gonna I dialect it. There me go. <laughs> Your dialect. There me go. <laughs> uh, this is a quote from Syed Sadat Nazrul. Um, Cap theorem basically is the underpinning of the IT systems of all banks. Now, you might not know this, but companies strive for what's called five nines of availability, or at least five nines is the gold standard. If 
Five nines means 99.999% of the time, you're going to be able to use your email. You're going to be able to send that office romance email with attachments. That's what IT organizing, IT departments, or Amazon, that's what they promise you. And that's all under, like, that's... The people who are... The, the guy inventing Amazon chicken nuggets is an expert in cap theorem. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <Wire>. Uh. <laughs> Web3, Microsoft and MasterCard, Hedera, Ethereum, Bitcoin, these are all technologies and partnerships that are fundamentally trying to make transactions, email, gaming, otherwise, 100% secure and private, 100% fast, which means real-time, especially in video gaming, which is very popular nowadays. There might be... Is, on, is video gaming the new MMA? Anyways, these are the new technologies and partnerships that are fundamentally trying to... Sorry. <laughs> That's how softly done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Getting back to it. Yeah. What's not a video game, right, these days? <laughs> it's just... It's... <laughs> Sorry. There is a reason why eminent physicists are also squatting hundreds of pounds. Getting back to it. <laughs> Web3, <laughs> Microsoft, and MasterCard. Hedera, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. These are all technologies and partnerships that are fundamentally trying to make transactions 100% secure and private, 100% fast, aka real-time, and 100% scalable. Gaming, advertising, mining, energy. When it comes to the IT side of things, they're all made up of just different types of transactions that are fundamentally made up of one zero, one zero, light on, light off. In technical terms, they're trying to solve the challenge set forth by Cap Theorem. Amazon is a company trying to solve, Amazon AWS is trying to solve Cap Theorem. In the past, when we wanted to store more data or increase our processing power, the common option was to scale vertically, get more powerful machines, or further optimize the existing code base. However, with the advances in parallel processing and distributed systems, it is more common to expand horizontally or have more machines to do the same task in parallel. We can already see a bunch of data manipulation tools in the Apache project like Spark, Hadoop, Kafka, Zookeeper, and Storm. However, in order to effectively pick the tool of choice, a basic idea of CAP theorem is necessary. CAP theorem is a concept 
that a distributed database system can only have two out of the three. The three being consistency, availability, and partition tolerance. I'm not going to go into further detail, just know that underlies what everybody in IT is trying to do from their apps to their infrastructure. <clears throat> Let's look at if we were to break down how we might solve the holy grail of IT, CAF theorem, globally, solar universally, there are a number of critical factors that any solution will have to address. Said another way, there will have to be a number of constraints that the solution will have to satisfy. There'll be a bunch of check boxes that must be check marked and cannot be left blank if you are going to get your PhD in blockchain, so to speak. These constraints are one, security and privacy and anonymity on the blockchain, scalability on the blockchain, speed on the blockchain. There's a final one, and people differ on this. Decentralization of the blockchain or centralization of the blockchain. Different people depending on different use cases, different scenarios, different problems they're trying trying to solve, different jobs to be done that they're trying to execute, different ends that they're trying to obtain, have different uses of the internet. They, want, they might want security and privacy and anonymity. They might want scalability. They might want speed. They might want it centralized. They might want it decentralized. So the blockchain, in IT terms, is trying to achieve security and privacy and anonymity and scalability and speed. And, depending on which side of the fence you are, full decentralization or centralization. Now this is important because the SEC has stated that if you are sufficiently decentralized, your asset is not a security. Your Bitcoin is not a security. If it is centralized, oh, doctor. Now again, don't construe any of this as financial advice. I'm just trying to explain I'm trying to explain this as simple terms as possible what's happening right now because I see a lot of blog posts going up. Living in a vacuum of information created by the fact that they use English characters to interact and exchange information. And there's this whole world teeming with people with last names like Nakamoto like Siddhartha Dutta, that also have access to the internet and all of the world's knowledge at their fingertips and all of the technology that we have, and who's to say that they haven't solved it 
Already. Scalability on the blockchain. Oh no, I, let, let's go after the, the, the security and privacy and anonymity because that underlies all of the um, office romances, right? <clears throat> security, let's look at the first constraint. Security and privacy and anonymity on the blockchain. So far, it's been impossible to make transactions and office romances 100% safe, 100% fast, 100% secure and private. These ultimate office romances, sorry, the ultimate office romance of all, Bitcoin transactions, aren't 100% private and anonymous to malicious attackers. Yet. Now I'm going to read a quote from a very important person in the world. Her name is Julia Fanti. A.O. I should read you their names. It is very brave to speak up in a community who may have an interest in your truth being false, apart from loving truth, if that makes sense to anyone. The paper is called Dandelion Redesigning the Bitcoin Network for Anonymity. It was published January 2017. It's by Shailesh Boja Venkatakrishnan, Julia Fanti, and Pramod Vishwanath. Ramod Vishwanath. Here's a quote from Julia Fanti. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have surged in popularity over the last decade. Although Bitcoin does not claim to provide anonymity for its users, it enjoys a public perception of being a privacy-preserving financial system. In reality, cryptocurrencies publish users' entire transaction histories in plain text, albeit under a pseudonym. This is required for transaction validation. Therefore, if a user's pseudonym can be linked to their human identity, the privacy fallout can be significant. Recently, researchers have demonstrated de-anonymization attacks that exploit weaknesses in the Bitcoin network's peer-to-peer -peer networking protocols. In particular, the peer-to-peer -peer network currently forwards content in a structured way that allows observers to de-anonymize users. That's from a paper they wrote, uh, that's Julia Fanti, uh, redesigning the Bitcoin network for anonymity. Fanti, along with Venkatakrishnan and Viswanath. <clears throat> now let's look at... So now that we understand that privacy and security and anonymity... Well, let me not say security. We know that anonymity isn't there in the way that we thought it was there before. Therefore, privacy is not there. If you do not have anonymity and privacy, 
it's very hard to have security of person. Especially when you are a person entrusted with data that is to remain private. We all have a use case for private data. I'm a headhunter. <laughs> Trust me, we all have a use case <laughs> for private data. Yeah, and ask them. You guys get it? The problem with corporations, the thing is we hate about our government privacy is the very thing is that, that we want in our own lives. We have to recognize that the institutions that we've created kind of reflect us in a certain way. And if we're all one, then we're all one in our faults too, maybe? Something about eyes and logs? Anyways. Anyhow. <laughs> Scalability on the blockchain. Let's look at another concern. <clears throat> so far, it's been impossible to make blockchain transactions scalable. That's actually like the biggest complaint about blockchain right now, right? It's not scalable. You cannot achieve visa speeds without fucking up the internet. That's that's a huge complaint, right? That's a that's a huge complaint, right? That's a huge complaint, right? So far it's been impossible to make blockchain transactions scalable. Most notably, Bitcoin transactions consumed the energy equivalent of 169 countries last year. Uh, yeah, I should read this. Um, proof of work is the mechanism that makes the blockchain secure, but it costs a lot of energy to keep this mechanism working. Today, anyways. Recent efforts to scale the Ethereum blockchain have included proposals to move from proof of work consensus for transaction security to proof of stake consensus for transaction security, also known as the Casper Protocol for transaction security. The explanation from uh, Ontario's own Vital Buterin, who dropped out of Waterloo when he got 100 grand from fucking, uh, I think it was the Teal Foundation, who sponsors kids under 25, because that's when they know all the intelligences. <laughs> and I'm saying this about myself. Let me tell you something. Somebody's going to hear this, take a piece of this, and do something that's smarter than anything I could have ever conceived of. Anyways, explanations by founder Vitalik Buterin can be found here. You can click the link. And criticisms from, um, I think he's a Princeton PhD now, Mani Bali. <clears throat> PhD in Ivy League blockchain, uh, Ivy League University, sorry. Anyways, speed on the blockchain. 
Uh, Bitcoin, seven transactions a second. Ethereum, 10 transactions a second. Visa, 8,000 transactions a second. And that's from two years ago. Uh, in a stress test, Visa has proved 56,000 transactions a second. Bitcoin, seven. Ethereum, 10. Visa, 8,000. The infographic uh, is from... How long ago? It's from the Zilliqa. Um keynote. It's a video. Um, yeah. Since no one centralized or decentralized company or company of companies has emerged that can solve all of these problems, Amazon would seem like the only option. So are secure, private, anonymous, fast, and scalable, fully decentralized blockchain transactions a pipe dream? As every passing day goes by, Hashgraph's Hedera platform, which proposed an alternative to decentralization by nominating a council of trusted gods, so to speak, like big corporations that everybody trusts. Here's the thing. Would you trust a blockchain solution that wasn't decentralized, but was controlled by Microsoft and Amazon and Facebook and Lagajigbook, you know what I mean? And, or maybe it's important that ecosystems emerge that compete with each other, like individual Sogososhas in Japan. You know about Sogososhas, Kuli. I can say Kuli because. Um, another lady said it on the YouTubes. <laughs> Must send you. And a comic, by the way. Yeah, I'm a... Yeah. Yeah. Comedy. The thing that makes all of this fun. And a lot of people upset. Now, as we wind down, fortunately, there is a world called the Eastern Hemisphere. And it has people that work on computers too. Road tested emerging blockchains, road tested emerging blockchain solutions. One degree north of the equator lies the Republic of Singapore, the sovereign city-state and the island country in Southeast Asia. You should take a look at the drone footage. Fucking amazing. And there's a bunch of articles. Um, the question is, can decentralized blockchains enable scalable, speedy, and secure transactions into the billions, globally? And there's a bunch of details about silica. Zilliqa, a company, a blockchain that's doing this. Yeah, they're solving it. They're having AMAs on Reddit. They went from test cases with the largest advertising online digital media giants in the world. It's already happened. There's the keynote address. Okay, so if we have scalable, secure, and speedy transactions and insured by proof of work, 
It only takes five minutes out of every hour, thereby slashing electricity costs, and have achieved a few thousand transactions per second. Are our goals met? Have we achieved visa scale? What about private, anonymous transactions? <laughs> a few more uh, tweets. For example, how Zilliqa and Mindshare, part of Group M, Group M, I believe, is the largest advertising company in the world by billings? <sighs> Group M. Group M is the world's largest media investment group with more than 113.8 billion billing, billings. Wow, we're, we're responsible for one in three ads globally. So yeah, for sure listen to your uh, thought leader from Toronto on their opinion on the blockchain. <laughs> Enter the Mar Marlin Protocol, led by Zilliqa's former core developer and wonder ki kid, Siddhartha Dada or to his friends, simply said. Um, is it Wonderkind, or am I, am I mis mixing Tinder Surprise and Wonderkid? No, it's Wonderkid, okay. <laughs> All right, there's a brochure. The Marlin Protocol claims that it is the first peer-to-peer -peer network protocol combining anonymity and scalability, sorry, the Marlin Protocol claims that it is the first peer-to-peer -peer network protocol combining anonymity and scalable one-to-many communication. The names on the brochure include Pinterest, Facebook, Microsoft. Who else? Oh, I'm gonna read it. You'll, you'll like it. Um. Oh, and since it's like at the TCP/IP layer, it can help Ethereum and Bitcoin and all of those other blockchains scale. You know all that energy you were worried about? Yeah, that's what these guys are solving. Shut the fuck up. Or talk to them. Go on the Reddit. Talk to them about how instead of an hour of pre-approval work, it's five minutes. Or whatever the claim is when you dig deep. Zilliqa emerged from the National University of Singapore. If you haven't noticed, a lot of good things coming out of Singapore. Maybe it's because of the geography and the socio-cultural environment and the technological environment, and the political environment, and the competitive environment, the economic environment, Richardson, six environments. And you think I discovered fucking Singapore? How would you discover any geography in the world? Well, city-states run the world. And who, which nation has the most demands from a GDP perspective, 
and what are the most culturally diverse groups of people within that large group? <sighs> it's funny, part of me seems pompous about it, and I shouldn't be, because I'm like 0.00001% of people that got a chance to go to university and study under Richardson, so I'm sorry. I apologize if I seem pompous. Um, I'm only pompous to the people that act like the Western Hemisphere only created communism. <laughs> they had other inventions, dude. Gunpowder, maybe? Anyways. <laughs> Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Thesis. Antithesis. Synthesis. Siddhartha Dathit. Siddhartha Dutta's thesis, not Buddha, the, the core developer, the CEO of Merlin, his name is Siddhartha Dutta. Sid's thesis is that network layer scaling can provide multiplicative benefits over and above any scaling benefit obtained through better consensus algorithms. What he's saying is that whether you use proof of work now or use another consensus protocol like um, gossip or proof of stake he's planting a stake in the flag and saying beat this mother beat this motherfucker <laughs> you can't study the freedom <laughs> That's it. Starting the podcast again. <clears throat> it's really funny. I like that. I like the fact that I started the thesis, the uh, the conclusion. It means that I'm growing as a person. It means that I'm okay with mistakes being a part of the process. We have to be able to make mistakes in the right direction. I think that's what I forgot about the Taniyama Shimura. The guy Noah Wiles would not have proved Fermat's last theorem without the Tanayama Shimura conjecture. Now, let's open up the dead here. Tanayama Shimura. Um, Tanayama Shimura was a duo. That's important to note. Tanayama Shimura was a duo that came up with the Tanayama Shimura conjecture, or the Tanayama Shimura. While conjecture that states that elliptic curves over the field of rational numbers are related to modular forms. Andrew Wiles proved the modularity theorem for semi-stable elliptic curves, which was enough to imply Fermat's last theorem. So, um, I think it was Goro Shimura who committed suicide. No, he's no, he's alive. It's not Goro. Goro lives. Tanayama, I apologize. Yutaka Tanayama was a Japanese mathematician known for the Tanayama Shimura conjecture. The only reason I mention that is because the Tanayama Shimura, without that invention. We do not 
solve Fermat's last theorem, Fermat's last theorem. He committed suicide, Kaniyama. Yet he is the most, one of the most influential people in math today. What they, what Goro Shimura, who is living today, praised Yutaka Kanayama for, after his death, in the documentary, for Ma's Last Theorem, it was a BBC, was that he was okay with making mistakes in the right direction. And as a mathematician, even knowing Gödel's incompleteness theorem shows, I'll let you listen to the last podcast, but even in light of the synthesis that happened from the Principia Mathematica as a thesis and the Gödel incompleteness theorems as an antithesis, it's both of those efforts. It's the critical and speculative thought that leads to new inventions. Sid's thesis is that network layer scaling can provide multiplicative benefits over and above any scaling benefit obtained through better consensus algorithms. Quote, a decade has passed since Satoshi Nakamoto's original Bitcoin paper, there's a link to it, it's not very long, and you'll fucking love the intro, first surfaced. In this span of time, researchers and developers around the world have extended Satoshi's ideas dramatically to propose distributed ledgers in different colors and shapes. And there's links to the colors and shapes, by the way. Yeah, this guy gives zero fucks. <laughs> In the last several years, we have seen a Cambrian explosion of blockchains that seek to solve fundamental technological limitations that Bitcoin posed and extend the technology's purview to domains far beyond digital currency. You know what? While many of these newer systems are unrecognizably dissimilar to Bitcoin and to each other. The same computer science principles of peer-to-peer networking lie at the heart of all of them. From another perspective, while there have been remarkable advances in cryptographic primitives, consensus protocols, and incentive mechanism, little has changed at the network layer. Look back at the TCP IP diagram, you'll see there's a difference between the application layer and the network layer and the internet layer and I think the the transport layer. Look at it, you'll see it. Now, let me just throw around some status for a bit. Contributors to the project include PhDs from Stanford and MIT, while rumors have it that the former CEO of Bitfucking Torrent has recently joined their advisory board. Dude, if the CEO of Bittorrent is interested, 
and Stanford and MIT. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for a decentralized relay network. Not to say that these people aren't involved in other things, but I don't know. I get upset because these things seem obvious to me. And I think it's obvious to me because as a headhunter, I have always thought that the talent was more important than the corporation. Because I saw that a few individuals in the corporations were really the heart of the corporation. And that's not my idea. That's a Bill Gates quote. Take my 20 best people and you take my whole fucking company. It's Bill Gates. Quote. Um, oh, no, not quote. Okay. So this is just me. This is the end. Now, I've recently found that by exposing ideas to the crucible of fire... I'm still trying to remember the name. What's the name of... The purification by fire. There's an S. Sanyata. No, that's emptiness. Um, anyways. Major V here now is of Ram Dass's guys. I've recently found by, that by exposing ideas to the crucible of fire, that is open source review, amazing ideas are produced. Just like, you know, the Socratic method, but now decentralized. So there's a link... So long story short, if you're a programmer, you'll understand that there's object-oriented programming and there's functional programming, and you have people in two camps, and um, long story short, the thesis of this whole Reddit post, which has zero points but 19 comments, long comments too of people arguing, it's called Learn Functional Programming Without All That Arcane Math Jargon Nonsense Spellcasting PhD Jive Talk. And um, it got popular. It was at the top of the functional programming um, I don't know, section of Reddit. I'm new to Reddit. Uh, but I put it there and people started arguing because some people were on the object-oriented side, some people were on the functional side, some people were students, some people were architects, uh, some people were scientists saying, you cannot deride the nomenclature. You cannot deride the language. The language is exalted. And then one guy, Teote, says, well, to be honest with you, the jargon kind of got in the way of me understanding in the beginning. Not that I didn't learn the jargon later. But it kind of got in the way of the first few steps. It has zero points. And you'll see how I go through the, how I take all the comments and go through the thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. So it was a pretty uh, interesting uh, experiment. Anyways, given that Marlin's networking solution emerged from well-studied networking literature, I'm sure they won't mind the heat of scrutiny. There's a link to the white paper. The high level is all there. Rip it to shreds. Kitsilica and Marlin provide the technology that helps all other blockchains become what they initially intended, the new standard for all office romances. Until then, TCPIP it is. Towards truth. Finish off the quote from Tesla. Quote, 
As soon as completed, it will be possible for a businessman in New York to dictate instructions and have them instantly appear in type at his office in London or elsewhere. He will be able to call up from his desk and talk to any telephone subscriber on the globe without any change whatsoever, or whatever, in the existing equipment. An inexpensive instrument, not bigger than a watch, will enable its bearer to hear anywhere, on sea or land, music or song, the speech of a political leader, the address of an eminent man of science, or the sermon of an eloquent clergyman, delivered in some other place, however distant. In the same manner, any picture, character, drawing, or print can be transferred from one to another place. Millions of such instruments can be operated from but one plant of this kind. More important than this, however, will be the transmission of power, without wires which will be shown on a scale large enough to carry conviction. These few indications will be sufficient to show that the wireless art offers greater possibilities than any invention or discovery heretofore made, and if the conditions are favorable, we can expect with certitude that in the next few years wonders will be wrought by its application. Tesla, 1908. You may wonder why I feel so convicted about this. Um, I've seen where AI is. Um, I've been a headhunter in tech for 15 years and Toronto, taught finance, taught music, um, I don't use resumes when I'm deciding whether to, a candidate is legit or not. An individual is a walking portfolio, so to speak. So, I asked them to show me what they have. A lot of people have shown me what they have. And the energy solutions that are coming out from Toronto, I know them. And the AI discoveries, I know them from Atlanta. And the cannabis products coming out of Toronto, I know them. are fundamentally changing the world. And I haven't realized that by virtue of being a headhunter, I've been kind of carried along to having to work in emerging industries because people pay 20 to 30% of a first year salary for experts who are scarce. And experts are scarce in emerging industries. I'm not a special person. I just had parents or teachers. They helped me go through school. And a lot of other people have helped me publish this. This is really the beginning of um, an academy. Get in touch if you're interested. Well, there's the truth as I see it. Ah. 
what I should do is Louis Juice and Harry Pratchett to start. By the way, if you have children, Lewis Carroll is bedtime reading. If you have children, no, no. If you have adult children, Terry Pratchett is required reading before bedtime. If they think they know a thing or two about society and politics, Terry Pratchett. Show that to a university student who just read Mark, Terry Pratchett. Yeah, tell me more. If it's your first time reading Mark's, uh, first of all, know that Mark's had the mathematics. Uh, we have to learn it in third year, economic theory. Um, what he did not predict through all his algebra was the radical emergence of one industrial revolution on top of another. <coughs> That's what he couldn't predict. How, as, how could you have predicted one, two, three, four industrial revolutions stacked on top of each other? You can't. That's nowhere in any algebra. Alfred North Whitehead knew that. Philosophy begins and ends in wonder. He co-authored Principia Mathematica with Russell. And he is the thesis of unicorn launching. Alfred North Whitehead. Ha ha! Remember where you heard it first. <coughs> so if they're a kid, Lewis Carroll, they're an adult, Harry Pratchett. When they get to university, introduce them to the algebra of Lewis Carroll, etc. Hmm. Man, it's hard to narrate for what? An hour? An awe! So this is what, Unicorn Launching? This is the Just Dowd podcast, and... Oh yeah, Terry Pratchett. Man. I have two mono... You probably think, this guy had, like, short attention span. I've, I'm literally staring at two screens worth of icons. <laughs> you ever do so much research, you just, like, save everything and then it's <laughs> Um, Harry Pratchett. <laughs> oh, man. The color of magic. Yeah, the color of magic was sick. At least the first few <laughs> words I haven't read it. I had somebody, somebody asked me if I knew Terry Pratchett, and I said no. And she said, and she like acted like she was taking off a card from a pile of deck that I didn't have in front of me. And she said, I am revoking temporarily <clears throat> your nerd card because I didn't know the color of magic.
And she was right. She was right. You have to police the system. Somebody does not understand or have seen uh, uh, Through the Looking Glass, Alice in Wonderland. They don't know Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Read that shit first. Read the first... I just... I'm just going to read you the prologue. The Color of Magic, Pratchett. In a distant and second-hand set of dimensions, in an astral plane that was never meant to fly, the curling star mists waver and part. See? Great Atwin the turtle comes, swimming slowly through the interstellar gulf, hydrogen frost on his ponderous limbs, his huge and ancient shell popped with meteor craters. Through sea-sized eyes that are crusted with room and asteroid dust, he stares fixedly at the destination. In a brain bigger than a city with geological slowness, he thinks only of the weight. Most of the weight is, of course, accounted for by Brillia, Tubal, Great Fafon, and Jerakeen, the four giant elephants upon whose broad and star-tanned shoulders the disk of the world rests, garlanded by the lo long waterfall at its vast circumference and domed by baby blue vault of heaven. I wonder if Berlia, Tubal, Great, Tafon, Jerakeen are the other um, platonic solids. Anyways, astropsychology has been as yet unable to establish what they think about. <laughs> The Great Turtle was a mere hypothesis, until the day the small and secretive kingdom of Krull, whose rim-most mountains project out over the rimfall, built a gantry and pulley arrangement at the tip of the most precipitous crag, and lowered several observers over the edge in a quartz-windowed brass vessel to peer through the mist veils. The early astrozoologists hauled back from their long dangle by enormous teams of slaves who were able to bring back much information about the shape and nature of our twin and the elephants. But this did not resolve fundamental questions about the nature and purpose of the universe. For example, what was our twin's actual sex? This vital question, said the astrozoologists with mounting authority would not be answered until a larger and more powerful gantry was constructed for a deep space vessel. In the meantime, they could only speculate about the revealed cosmos. There was, for example, the theory that a twin had come from nowhere and would continue at a uniform crawl or steady gait into nowhere for all time. This theory was popular among academics. So what he's saying is that <clears throat> there's a difference between teleology, uh, history having a unknown but purposed end, like history is moving step by step, crawling forward through the dark towards some specific end, versus there was, for example, the theory that a twin had come from nowhere and would continue at a uniform crawl or steady gait into nowhere for all time. This theory was popular among academics. I actually think that they're both right. 
without getting into too much detail, we find that companies, all successful monopolies, follow what's called an S-curve, at which time a new monopoly takes their um, place. See... Fuck. Join me on LinkedIn and you'll see the article. Um, the, guy, the guy maps it out. Um, we just don't know what's going to replace Walmart. Could be Alibaba. Alibaba was not on Walmart's radar. So, although logic can be used to understand that what will happen between radical emergences, radical emergences will fuck up your algebra and just ask Karl Marx. Not to say I'm not a fan of his writing. Uh, it's very artistic. Art Low prices are the, quote, low prices are the artillery with which foreigners batter down, with which capitalists batter down foreign walls. That's a full quote. Low prices are the artillery with which capitalists batter down foreign walls. Yeah. So, and that's like the second page of the manifesto. It's a very eloquent book. And we had to study his algebra in third year. But as Gödel proved, a logical algebra is not complete, even from a mathematical perspective. You are loved. We may not know each other, but you are loved. And you are loved on a deeper level than skin. Because everybody's the same size on email, let me tell you. <laughs>